0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Living With Power Hope podcast. My name is Lena Abijamra, and I am so excited that you came back to this podcast. If it's your first time here, you came at the right time. We have been doing a leadership series, but we're going to step away from it for the next six weeks. The reason is that we need to focus on fearlessness. We're living in the coronavirus crisis, and many of us are still living at home in a shelter in place situation, and our anxieties and our fears are going up. But we know as Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, that there is a better way to live. It is a way of faith and fearlessness and so we looked in our archives and found a six message series that i've taught at judson university here in chicago i think you're gonna love it each message is about 30 35 minutes long we're gonna do one a week for the next six weeks and then we'll resume our leadership podcast hey as we've thought about you and prayed over you we believe that you might also enjoy our uh, new community page basically it's a living with power facebook page in which i teach live every thursday from seven to eight We'd love for you to be a part of it. All you have to do is go to our website, the livingwithpower.org website. And as soon as you land there, you'll see a box that says, join our community. Click on it and join our community. Uh, Then on Thursdays at 7, log in and you'll see me there live. We love what's happening there. God is moving in hearts. Hey, if you want to live without fear, you get together with God's people, study His Word, and see Him break through the chains of fear in your life. For today, let's take the next 30 minutes, meditate on God's Word, and see how He might use His Word to cause us to live in confidence that He who brought us this far is going to get us through it. I love you guys, and I'll catch you at the end of this. Today, I want to speak from 1 Kings chapter 19. I think by now you guys have picked up on this thing that I love God's word. I love uh, opening it and finding that it has answers for every question we can come up with in life. And one of the advantages of working in an emergency room is that there is not a question that has not been asked me. I mean, seriously, people come in, sometimes reasonable, sometimes not. I mean, sometimes you're like, really? You you came to the ER for this? Like, I think you could have Googled it and stayed home and saved the money, but no, they wanted my opinion and, and I'm like, We'll charge you for it. No big, you know. My, you know, my job securities and whatever. But uh, but really, it's amazing. Some questions that people ask are so hard, and and I found in the, in the last five or six years some pattern that has happened in the emergency room where I work in a very affluent suburb of Chicago emergency room. I work in Naperville. Many of you may have even been to the ER over there. And, and I'm telling you, I'm astounded by the increase. In teenage, I work primarily in pediatric ER. In teenage, anxiety, depression, aggression, self-inflicted wounds, I mean, I cannot tell you, just three weeks ago, we had a 17-year-old young man who jumped off the seventh floor of a building and actually survived it for a few hours, came in the ER, went to the ICU, and then died the next day. He had been seen two prior times in like the past six months in our ER for depression. I mean, those things sound so so heavy. And what do you tell the mom who comes in? She came in to find out about her son. The next day, she tried to commit suicide because she was in so much despair, came into the ER. And I mean, this is not an isolated story. These are common stories. And some of you maybe came today out of curiosity. You're like, wonder what she's going to talk about. Others of you, it is a very real thing in your life. And, and listen, this is not going to be a lecture about anxiety and depression, because honestly, I think the spectrum in that is so wide. Some of you here would never say that you were depressed. Some of you would say, man, I just get in funks a lot. And I just get in the blues. And, and it doesn't take a lot in life to make me feel like I just want to quit and what amazes me about God's word is that there are examples of people just like us who went through difficult circumstances just like us and who had the same reactions and then we see a pattern of how God worked with them and my favorite example of that is Elijah in first Kings 19. I love this guy Elijah anyway I thought on him on Tuesday he's the only guy I've kind of spoke about twice in a in a week and I could probably speak about him for a year I wrote a whole chapter in my new book coming out this, this spring. In a couple of months, I have a book coming out called Resolved, and I tell the story of this passage of Scripture, and from 17, 1 first, first Kings 17 to 1 Kings 19, and how God has used that passage of Scripture in my life, but, but here's the first point, then I'm going to read some verses, uh, and, I, and let me just give you some some kind of framework to the talk. I've called this fearless, because remember, fearless is what we're trying to be this week, which, oh, I forgot. Let's, let's remind ourselves. What is the definition of fearless? On three, one- Two, three sure of God say it again <clears throat> so ask yourselves are you sure of God today are you confident that God is in control of your life or are you not so sure and 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 in the quiet of your heart I just want to encourage you that if you're like well I'm not so sure that's okay God loves us here's the subtitle or the sentence that will frame this talk is this Even when I can't find God, he always knows where to find me. See, we worry when we aren't so sure about him and we feel like, man, I I have these questions and these doubts and these insecurities and these issues. And, And listen, God knows. We've already established that pattern. I want you to walk away from this week just sure and confident that God loves you and is always for you. When you don't deserve it, he's for you. When you're on good behavior, he's for you. He loves you. He wants to be your father. If you're not in a relationship with him, what are you waiting for? It's the best deal you'll ever get. And he just gives you himself in the middle of it. So here's Elijah, and I want you to start with this first point. Again, how many points do we go through every day? Three, three. All right, here's the first. We'll start with it. We're talking about being anxious or or discouraged, or despondent, or in a funk, or in the blues, whatever you want to call it, I don't care what you call it. But here's the first sentence, it happens to the best of us. It happens to the best of us. Maybe you're that person who thought I'll never, remember yesterday we talked about what I'd never do, but maybe you thought I'd never feel that way about life. Maybe you were so popular in high school and, and maybe you just had everything going for you and you were like, man, I. and you'd look at people, you know how it is in high school, you look at other people who are like, they have the problems and you never thought that you'd be that person. Well, let's look at Elijah, the, most, the least likely candidate to be a man who would fall into this pit of depression. And we're told, and, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about him, but let me read you a few verses here in 1 Kings 19. It says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Here's what had happened. Every good ER story always starts with, well, what had happened was, so be careful when someone says that, but for real, this, th- so, so Elijah was this prophet of God who spoke truth all the time. He had shown up out of the blue and told the king Ahab, who was the wickedest king In the land the Bible tells us he was the most evil of all of them and if there was one person who was more evil than Ahab who was it who wants to guess look at verse 19 Ahab told who Jezebel his wife isn't there a cartoon where like the evil person is Jezebel it's like I think she's like the symbol of all things evil for all eternity to come I don't know but it's true like Jezebel is like don't name your daughter Jezebel like I don't know anyone who's named Jezebel and we get a lot of weird names in the ER but I I almost told you some, and I was like, no, I think this is probably best left unsaid here in a Christian chapel. Some names are crazy. Some are nice, like Precious and Promise and Miracle, but some, man, I just, now you guys are like, what? Come stop at the cafeteria, and I'll give you a list of of interesting names. So so these two people were so wicked, they were married to each other, a match made in heaven, and, and, and Elijah shows up, and tells the king there's gonna be a drought for three years. This is horrible news, and then we hear about Elijah going on his own spiritual journey. It's crazy, awesome. We spoke about that Tuesday night. You can get the recording. And then we hit 1 Kings 18, where Elijah takes on every, every, every idol worshiper. in that. So so there's Elijah, and there's every other religion, every other false religion, every other idol in the land, and they all come up to a mount called Mount Carmel, north of Israel, near Haifa, where my mom was born. And, And Elijah says to them, look, just pray to your God and bring Fire onto your altar, and then we'll test to we'll see who has the real God. You do this with your God, and then I'll pray to my God. At the end of the day, you just take your time, no rush. And and so there's this account in Bible that the, in the Bible that goes into every detail, and it's almost humorous because these guys are like 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 going crazy, running around the altar, praying, cutting themselves, you know. And Elijah's like taunting them, like, "Come on, try harder. Maybe you need to, you know, bribe him." I mean, he's like laughing at him. And then I mean, but you know, gently and kindly because he's a man of God. And then and so so the end of the day right so so the end of the day he says okay guys gather up so everyone gathers up and he puts the stones and kind of does the altar just like they used to do and puts water on it says look guys my god can do this even with so he pours water over the whole thing and then he prays and it's a very simple prayer like god bring down the water i mean very simple like you are the real god do this and god like bam brings water down i mean brings fire down from heaven and you read the story and you're just like wow who wouldn't want to be that kind of christian Think about the interactions. Some of you maybe work in communities and in jobs or people maybe mock your faith and they're like, "Your God, can he do anything? And maybe you're going through difficult circumstances and maybe people whisper behind your back, like, why isn't there God saving them? And wouldn't it be nice to be like, look what my God can do and listen, and he can do it. And, 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 and then, as if that's not enough, Elijah goes on and predicts now, after three years of drought, he says, there's going to be a storm. And everyone looks at him like he's crazy. And he sends his servant, and he says, go up to the hill and look. And he says, there's a cloud down there. And the the servant is like, dude, there's no cloud. It's your vision. Something's happened to you. And he's like, no, no, go back up. Seven times he sends the guy and says, look at the cloud. And the guy goes up and way, way in the horizon, there's a tiny little cloud. Like it's like perfect, you know, no chance of rain kind of day. And Elijah's like, the storm's coming. Start moving. And guess what? It starts raining and raining and raining, and the drought was broken. And exactly what Elijah said that God had spoken through him happened. And this is that man, Elijah, who now here, so Ahab is like tattletaling to his wife, and this is what weak men do. They're gonna get honey, what are we gonna do? And and she's like evil, and they're sitting there, and like movies are made about this, right? And it's awful. And so Jezebel, she's like heard all of this and How can anybody not be totally petrified about this whole gig with Elijah? I'd be like, stay away from him. And in fact, people did stay away from him because they were afraid of what would happen if they came against him. But this woman had no fear of God. So she sent a messenger to Elijah. She didn't even go to him. She just sent a message. This was like a rumor of a rumor. You know, have you ever played telephone? And what can happen to a message when you pass it down? And, and who even knew what she said? But we know that whatever the message came, here's the message that Elijah heard. It says, so may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. And so here, one sentence, he just did this amazing fire thing. He just did this rain thing. I mean, this guy is like living high with the Lord. like He's like singing worship songs like you cannot even imagine it. He's writing in his journal, praise report after... After praise report, after praise report, and then he hears one word from one evil woman. And it says, then in verse 3, he was afraid. Remember, we're talking about being fearless. I wrote this sentence down under It Happens to the Best of Us. I wrote, Whenever you listen to the wrong voices, you end up where you never thought you'd go. Whenever you listen to the wrong voices, you will end up going where you th- never thought you'd go. You could be like, well, he got afraid. What's the big deal? It would have been fine if it stopped there. Maybe he could have been afraid and then gone into his quiet time and had some you know, devotional time with God and got on his knees and prayed and remembered all God had done. You, you, maybe he should have done that, but he didn't. See, his voice was no longer in tune with God Almighty. His voice was, his ear was now in tune to, to someone who was evil and who was speaking lies to him. And so I think about all of the places that we listen to, and you say, look what happened to him. He says he was afraid, he rose and ran for his life. The same guy who just like a chapter ago, like a day ago, had taken on every idol worshiper, every false god, every person in the country, and now he's running for his life. You go, where did he go? He went, if you look at the map, he went all the way down. Uh, It says in the Bible that he went to Beersheba, which was way in the south, like as far away as he could. And it says, which which belongs to Judah. And listen, and and we're going to pay attention to some things here. And he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die. Saying, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. This is as close in the Bible as a person who became suicidal that you will ever find. It blows my mind that a man of God who had just come off a victory, and you know, you've heard sermons on this man before. There's no greater danger than what happens right after a spiritual victory. Some of you after spiritual enrichment week, you're going to make some big decisions in your life. You're going to give up sinful habits. You're going to turn to Lord. Some of you will accept God for the first time in your life through Jesus Christ, and you're going to be on a high, and you're going to be like, man, I am untouchable. I am now fearless, sure of God no matter what, and you're going to walk out, and someone is going to say something to you, and if you're not careful, and if you don't remind each other of these things, you might go up to places that you never thought you'd go. It happens to the best of us. If it happened to Elijah, it can happen to you and to me. The obviousness of this will always blind you. I think about my life, you know, I don't know that I've ever, well, I, I've never been clinically depressed, but, but you know, to say that, I've even to, to admit that to you guys almost sounds self-righteous because, man, I've had my share of feeling like I'm in the funk and in the blues, and and maybe I was never labeled anything, and maybe I never took medications for anything, but, man, I know what it feels to be in such a dark place that you just wish that your life would just be over. I remember when I Broke off my engagement. I told you about that on Tuesday night and how dark that period became in my life. And I thought that was behind me and I moved on. But you know, even recently, I remember three or four years ago, just just being offered this opportunity to write my first book, Thrive. And I had been called to ministry and I had been, you know, I was a doctor and I was doing this thing on the side and I really felt like God had this for my life. Like this, being a doctor paid the bills, but being a Bible teacher was my calling, my passion, the thing that I was created to do and it was not so easy along the way, but I could understand that God was training me and growing me, and, and then finally, like, I had this blog, and it grew steadily, but not as fast as other people's, but I was like, it's okay. It'll pay off in the end, and one day, Moody Publishers came to me and said, will you write this book, and I was like, of course I will. They're like, will you write it on singleness, and I was like, you could ask me to write about turtles. I'd write about turtles. It doesn't matter to me. I was just so happy to do something for God, so I wrote that book, and and chased it with another book right away. But right before that first book came out, I, I, I don't know what happened. But one day I came home from work and my house was flooded and I mean that literally. And it's crazy, it was like I walked in and the entire upstairs had like an inch of water seeping into my basement, my basement is finished and, and it was like completely like a debacle. You ever use that word in a sentence? Try it today, debacle. It was horrible. And, and it would have been fine. I mean, who cares? Everybody's been through a flood. What's the big deal? But it was like the initiation of me walking into a dark tunnel that would take a year or two to pass. And I just remember as that first book came out and all of the hopes and expectations that I had that God would do and seeing many of them not happen. And then, the, and then so you know how it is. You get the first book out and you go, God's going to do such mighty things with it. And God certainly did some mighty things with it, but not what I thought God would do with it. And so then you kind of go, okay, no big, I got a second book coming out. And I thought, you know, God, you get a pass. The first one was okay, but you can do so much more. So this is your chance to prove your love to me. You guys ever done that? And then you're like, okay, I'm going to fix it. Maybe my faith needs to be better. So God, I believe you. I'm going to pray more powerfully and I'm going to be more faithfully. And I did everything I could to impress God and to get the outcome that I wanted. But somehow the second book didn't do as good as the first even. And I think the second book is better than the first. And people who have read both will say that, but you see, I was about to walk into a dark tunnel to learn some lessons about God. You see, when you don't know where to find God, and man, I can tell you about seasons in my life where that has happened, I've learned that he always knows where to find me and so he does that for Elijah. Here's the second point um, about, and I'm going to come back and wrap up some thoughts about this. You're like, why is she telling us about our books? I'll come back and wrap up some of those thoughts, but 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 let me um, let me kind of pick up the text. So so um, as I'm watching the watch here, and I already see that the two minutes that I was granted at the beginning really mean nothing at this point. So here's point number two. We're talking about kind of this depression. It happens to the best of us. It doesn't define us, but it sure can stump us. See, some of you, you look at yourself, and maybe you cut. Or maybe you have had bouts in mental hospitals. Or maybe you are on antidepressants and you're dating someone and you're dreading the day when they're going to find out that you are on medication because in your mind, your thing, your depression defines who you are. Maybe it's your anxiety or whatever it is. Maybe you have PTSD. There's so many terms that I see people using for the same thing. And I'm just inclined and, 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 and just burden to to tell you this truth that your illness or your season whatever you want to call it does not define who you are talked yesterday so much about sexual sin and some of the things that i brought up were so heavy and even after i thought that I i didn't intend to say everything i did and i walked away going hear me your sin doesn't define who you are your orientation doesn't define who you are See, see, this is what we do as Christians. We go, here's what I've struggled with. And so it becomes, we embrace it and we stop seeing that God can use us despite those things. And it always happens when we stop listening to what God says about us and start listening to what other people ha- say about us and so I remember in that time when I was going through this dark period after my books where the whole everything I'd done in ministry like I was like God do you even care about what I'm doing I'm busting myself I'm trying to live according to your ways I'm doing everything and you're not pulling your share in this equation and I remember saying things to my mom, I would call it, the truth always comes out when you talk to your moms. Many of you know that. Guys, I don't know who you go to, but girls, we go to our moms. And, and I would say to her things like, like, and I can't even believe that I used to say these things, but, but it wasn't even that long ago where I'd be like, man, I'm such a loser, I'm such a failure, and I'd be like in the ER saving lives. And, and I if you look at my resume and, and having just published a book and all these things, they didn't matter to me because in my mind, the loudest voice that I was listening to was my own voice speaking lies to myself. See, a lot of us go, well, I'm not listening to any bad voices, but you're telling yourself constantly all day long lies and lies and lies about who you are and who God is. And none of it is based in the truth of who he is. And I think about the patience of my mom and my sister who are the two closest people in my life and they're constant reminding 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 you are not a loser you are loved by God there came a point where you've got to stop saying these things about who you are it happens to the best of us it doesn't define us but it sure can stump us Elijah when he went through this agony of fear related to what someone said to him, left his servant. That is the worst thing you can do. I wrote this other thought under point number two, which is whenever you give in to fear, you always end up making unwise choices. And, 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 and it starts right there. First of all, he ran for his life. Don't make drastic decisions if you're walking through a dark tunnel of the soul. Just don't make any big decisions. If you're like, man, I'm so down, I'm gonna quit Judson, don't do that. That's the worst thing you can do. Don't make the decision in a place where you're in that place of darkness. Don't run for your life. That is the easiest thing to do. You'll be like, I'm done. I'm gonna go somewhere where I'm comfortable. And and secondly, don't isolate yourself. I live by myself and I have noticed this pattern that by God's grace, he has protected me in, in that I like to be alone when I'm feeling down. And you sink in a pit of self-pity and God help the one who runs into you in that time. And, you know, as my nephews have gotten older, you just, they just show up at my house. And, and, and my, their mom will bring them over. And so, so I no longer have that luxury. There's something soothing, isn't there, about just kind of being with your own miserable self when you're feeling miserable. And, and that's exactly what Elijah does. He makes stupid choices. He runs for his life. The same guy who had fought the Baals is hiding in Beersheba. He leaves his servant, and he says things. Watch the things that come out of your mouth. Lamentations 3 is one of the most powerful passages in Scripture. It's the one where it says that God's mercies are new every morning. In that passage, it goes on to say, but don't talk too much. Just, just, If you're going through a hard period, just shut your mouth. And I'm finding that to be a tip that I need to embrace because most of the things that you say in those seasons are, you don't even mean. It happens to the best of us. It, def- it doesn't define us, but it sure can stump us. But here's the best news today. It is never the end of us. It is never the end of us. It is never the end of us. Whatever it is that you're struggling with today, if you see yourself as that sin, if you see yourself as that, as that season, if you see yourself as that mood, if you see yourself as that whatever it is, I'm telling you, it is never the end of us. When you can't find God and you're such a dark place, he will always know where to find you. The most awesome part of the story is that Elijah never went looking for God. Don't you ever read scripture and you're like, this is mind boggling. He's in a pit of hell and God shows up. and says he laid down and slept under a broom tree and that is like the most pathetic of all the trees. I mean, Google it, look at an image sometime. It is like, a. that's where Jonah went. Remember when he was like, I hate the people of Nineveh. I know there was a revival, but I hate them. And God, you're so mean, they all got saved. And, and he sits under a broom tree, same thing. It says, the angel of the Lord came again. Well, he came the first time. It says, he behold, an angel touched him and said to him, listen, listen, he didn't say to him, man, fix your attitude. Make a praise list. Isn't that what we love to tell each other when we're down? Write down 10 things you're thankful for today. Snap out of it. Come on, come on. You can do it. You're breathing. Aren't you breathing? (laughs) You're like, who came up with these? (laughs) What kind of therapy is that? Say the verse 10 times. You'll get out of the season. And that's not God's way, is it? He says, eat. Just like a good Greek mother-in-law. Eat. Eat. He said, what did he do the next day? Because you're like, all right, we had a meal. He says, go to sleep now. And then he says, eat again. Such compassion in the Lord. You know, there's such compassion. There's such an understanding where we don't even understand each other. As many of us, we've walked through difficult seasons and when our friends tell us, it's like we're shocked by it and we don't even have sympathy for someone who's gone through the same thing that we've gone through. I I don't know how we can be so heartless. And so he gives them time. 40 days he gives them I don't know what kind of power bar it was, but that second meal, it says in the Bible, held him for 40 days. And you just basically let him wander. And, and, and isn't that the truth, that sometimes you just need time? You can't just fix things quickly. Sometimes it takes time to, to, to work through. Some of you, you've gone through stuff in your life that I can't even imagine. You need time to work these things through. And listen, what better place than in a Christian institution with professors and leaders who know God's love and might be able to sit down with you and help you unwrap so many of the struggles that you've gone through in your life help you understand maybe why it's happened and maybe what god can do to show you the future and to remi- to remind you of all the promises that he has for you this is this is the time to to rest and to eat and to grow and to and then and then after 40 days you guys know that story it's an awesome story where God takes him up to a ca- he's in a cave and God shows up and God has a face to face with Elijah. And it's an awesome conversation cuz God asks him like what's going on Elijah? And Elijah starts and he's like he's like, well, and, and, and let me find it here. And he says, "I've been very jealous." For the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. He's like, dude, I've done so much for you, Lord. I'm busting myself here. I'm doing all this, and and I'm all alone, and nobody else. And he's just like venting. And God's like, all right, bring it. And then he says, go and stand out on the mountain. And then they watch this fire, you know, this, this display of like, just awesome display of First an earthquake and then a fire. And God wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. And after that, after that, we're told in verse 12, after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. You know, I find that often we have to get to those places of darkness in order to hear God. Do you know that most of the richness The spiritual enrichment that has happened in my life has happened in those seasons of suffering and of darkness do you know we 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 worship a savior the captain of our salvation was made perfect through do you know what through suffering the the chapter in my book resolved where i tell the story of elijah and whatnot is is called rest in the midst of chaos and and the entire purpose of that chapter is to bring out this thought that sometimes in order for us to get quiet Everything in our life has to kind of hit that wall. And you see, when we hate that place, we don't, we don't want to acknowledge it. And so we, we busy ourselves with noise. We turn the radio on. We hang out with people all the time. We maybe give in to sinful habits. Whatever it is that numbs the pain that we feel. But eventually, God gets us in a place where we're willing to quiet down enough to hear him. And when that happens, everything changes. And so God comes back a second time to Elijah and he says to him, he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? It's a good question, isn't it, for all of us today. What are you really doing here? Where are you at in your life? What what are you doing here? I don't mean this literally, I mean it. You're like, we're in the cafeteria, we're eating lunch. That's not what I mean. (laughs) How are things with you? And this time Elijah repeats the exact same thing, but you sense the shift in his spirit. He says, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, and he goes on and on. And you want to know God's solution? This is awesome. Because see, I would want to be like, give me a hug. You know, here's a, let let me pep you up for a bit. Man, you're so awesome, Elijah. You'd be so hard on yourself. You're so great, you know, you can do this. You know, you're, you know that thing from Saturday Night Live, you're, so, you're, you're bright enough, you're pretty enough. What was that back in the 80s? You don't have those skits anymore, but this guy would look in the mirror and be like, and gosh darn it, people like me, you know, and, and, and that's not what happens at all. In fact, God almost like, like if you read this, you're kind of like, wait, he almost ignores, kind of, not really, sort of, but he's always, he like just moves him on. And he says, here's the deal, Elijah. I need you to get up and get back in the game you're talking about depression that it happens to the best of us it doesn't define us but it sure can stump us and then it's never the end of us where you might have written the end of your story god is like we're just getting started he says get up and guess what i have a job for you there's a young man called elisha and he's waiting for you to mentor him have you ever Been in a place where the last thing you want to be is to be around people. And God's like, My solution for you is to go and be with someone. Not just to be with them, but to pour into them. And there's everything in us is like, what? And yet it is in community that healing often happens. And Elisha ends up being a gift to Elijah. This man ends up being this amazing man. You can read through his story and that Elisha did and he became the right-hand man for Elijah. Look, I know this must not have been easy. I have occasionally medical students come through our ER and when I used to be at Children's Hospital for about 10 years, they ha- it happened all the time and I had a great relationship with them. They always thought us was pretty cool and, and whatnot and then eventually I got burnt out on it because it takes a lot of energy to always be like teacher upbeat, you know? And, 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 and eventually, like, I was like, I'm, I'm, r- I'm ready to move on, went to the community hospital where we never have students and, and about six months ago, they were like, we're bringing students again and we're all like, what? Like, they don't pay us for that, right? I mean, we're not being, and then I'm like, oh, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love people, I love, and I'm like, what? You know, I'm constantly like, like, I'm the main one going, I don't want any students to come, because when they come, you can't do your own thing. See, when they come, you have to give them their atten- your attention, you have to tell them the truth about life and God and and, and whatever, in my context, medicine, and, and you, ha- you, you you can't be stuck on yourself, and that's what God does to Elijah. Of course he reminds him, man, you're not alone. There's 7,000 others who are serving me. And and listen, there might even been even more. The point was that there's many, You you don't have a full picture of all that's happening. You don't know what all is happening, but here's what you do need to know. It's not the end of you. God's love will find you where you think he can't see you. His word will heal you. His power will astound you. His grace will overwhelm you, and his solutions will shock you. That is what makes us fearless. It is not the fact that we can pull ourselves up by the, by the bootstraps and do the things that we think we should do, but that this awesome God who has risen over death and who has been victorious over evil and who has conquered depression is for you and loves you in Jesus Christ. And that is your secret. What I love, and I'm going to finish with this. What is even better about the story of Elijah is if you track his life through Second Kings chapter one and two. See, we think, man, if I've gone through a hellhole where I where I want to be dead and where I think it's completely gone and I'm suicidal, and God might use me, but He's not going to use me in an awesome way. He might make me like an usher or a greeter or maybe even a kindergarten like nursery person. Like, take a knife and like just slit my wrists already. No, I didn't say that. I'm just kidding. But but like that's like the worst that you could think to do in the church but, but God is not like that God puts him back in the game and if you read second Kings chapter one God uses him to go to the king and there's a story that will blow your mind and then in second Kings chapter two guess what Elijah is one of three people in the Bible who don't die there's Enoch who walked with God and then he was no more one verse to Enoch and then he's listed in Hebrews. And then, there's, and then there's Moses, that we don't know where his body is. He's taken up. And then there's Elijah, the man who was in this hellhole of depression. And God brings him back and uses him on the front lines and pours his grace over him. listen, if you think your story's over, you're wrong. As long as you're not dead, your story's not over yet. And God will use that pain and the burning ashes in your life to bring up beauty and to raise up a tree for his glory if you... We'll just let him and the beauty of it is that he will pursue you as long as it takes i believe today he might be pursuing you through this message might be like well why didn't he show up to my life and say he is he is and so i'm going to ask you to stand up as i close us in prayer i don't know where you guys are at in your life i know this is difficult material and i appreciate you guys coming i just found out today that you don't always have five days of chapel so i really i think. I think you're here because you're hungering for more of God in your life. You know, it's interesting about my book. I, after the second book and the flop and me almost quitting ministry and all of that, I actually wrote a book, got rejected by five people. I said, enough, I'm done. God, if you want to do something in my life, you do it. The week after I told the agent that I had hired that I quit, he said, you need to send a certified letter. That, he, the day he got the letter, he emailed me and says, I just got your letter, but I just got an email from someone who wants you to write a new book. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. First of all, I have a manuscript. Secondly, what? That's the story of resolved. See, it's a place where I might not have seen God's goodness, but in his love, he lavishes his his grace on our life in a way that will always astound us. And so run to him. If you need to talk to someone, find one of your professors, find me at lunch and just just pray with someone and ask God to somehow redeem the pieces of your brokenness because he wants to do that more than you can imagine and so god we surrender our lives to you and you we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives we thank you for the healing that's going to take place today because of your word because of your son and because of your love god we are so astounded by you in jesus name i pray amen well aren't you glad you listened i don't know about you but i needed this reminder that god is greater than my fears And so if you've enjoyed this message, we'd love for you to share it with your friends. We'd also love for you to let us know. Email me at lina at livingwithpower.org. But more importantly, we'd love to meet you in a deeper and more intimate way on our Facebook community page. Uh, Again, just go to livingwithpower.org. As soon as you land there, you'll see a blue box that says join our community. It's free. Every Thursday, I teach there live, but we have all kinds of interactive things there for you to grow closer to God and to get to know His Word more. Hey, we're so glad you came today. Know that we'll be praying for you. We love you, and we pray that God will continue to manifest Himself into your life in greater ways and in a more intimate uh, fashion. Uh, I'll see you guys next week. For now, enjoy the day, and thanks for tuning in.